0: this is the to the point podcast together with our erisa attorney we'll explore key affordable care act and trending compliance topics all in 15 minutes or less now here's our host sarah gillespie
1: Hello, welcome to another to the point podcast. We're glad to have you join us again. This time we want to talk about some new DOL extensions. Uh, well, they're not new. They've actually existed for a year. And um, we're going to have Stacy tell us a little bit more about how long that year really is. But anyhow, I, before we jump into what's called the outbreak period and what we're going to talk about in today's podcast, um, I wanna ask Stacy to break a couple of things down for us. So first, Stacy, thanks so much for joining us again. We can't do this without you. Um, okay, so I have a couple of questions before we even get in. So many people are confused on what the outbreak period is versus the national emergency versus the public health emergency. So before we talk about the outbreak period, which is kind of what um, today's topic is, What are those three? What are the differences between them?
0: Sure. So for for our purposes, and I'm sure there are you know other uh, uh, other um, meanings behind the national emergency and, and outbreak period, but for the in the benefits world, the national emergency and outbreak period are set by the Department of Labor, and um, the national emergency began March first of twenty twenty, and it will end sixty days after the end of the national emergency, which is the outbreak period. So basically this um, national emergency and outbreak period together is the period that began March 1st of 2020 um, and ends 60 days after the end of the national emergency. And so we are still in the national emergency right now. At some point in the future, the Department of Labor will end the national emergency, and then 60 days later will be the end of the outbreak period. And then um, these um, deadline um, dates will come back into effect that we'll talk about. So that's the national emergency in the outbreak period really governed by the Department of Labor. The public health emergency is set by health and human services, that one, um, it gets re-upped basically every 90 days, it's currently scheduled to expire. Um, I think it's, uh, it might be April 30th, um, but it'll probably be re-upped again. And that one is relevant to, um, some of the, like coverage mandates under these varied covid various covid relief bills um like the uh, requirement to cover testing for covid with no cost sharing applies during the public health emergency so um that one also started march 20th march 1st of 2020 um and it will kind of continue until ended by health and human services so whenever you you kind of hear about one um, that is expiring, that's probably the public health emergency one that is going to be re-upped again for another 90 days. Um, the Department of Labor one, at some point in the future, there will be some finality to the national emergency um, in the outbreak period, but that, that has not happened yet.
1: Okay, so... Talking about the outbreak period, I know that for several weeks, we've all been wondering what is happening with it. Um, When the federal officials suspended the deadlines that were related to COBRA, the HIPAA special enrollment rights, the claim procedures and all last spring, I really think none of them probably anticipated that this national emergency would still be in place today. And so those suspended deadlines have continued. What's interesting is that by law, those deadlines could only be suspended for a maximum of one year. So it seemed as if a hard stop was coming February 20th, 28th, 2021, because all of these weren't acted March 1st of 2020. But in true government fashion, on the last business day before February 28th, so last Friday, today is uh, March 5th, the DOL released clarification of their guidance, indicating that these timelines actually apply on a case-by-case basis. So Stacey, can you elaborate on this? What does this mean?
0: Yeah, it certainly was a surprise Um, It was a surprise to me, I mean, I had a couple of colleagues that um, felt that it was possible it could be interpreted on an individual basis, I thought that was pretty unlikely. Um, But uh, here we are, the the department does interpret this relief, um, basically to apply on an individual by individual basis. So rather than for everyone, um, all of the relief ending February 28th of 21, and the regular timeframes kicking back in. As of March first, we need to, um, you know, look at this relief on an individual basis, um, and so the Department of Labor basically. Um, you know, asking plans to apply this based on the date that any required action would otherwise have been required under the plan. And so basically the way it's going to work is that the timeframes um, that you have to do things like make a HIPAA special enrollment request, um, elect COBRA, pay for COBRA, notify the plan of a COBRA event, um, certain claims deadlines, all of those deadlines are suspended during um, until the earlier of one year from the date that the individual was first eligible for relief or 60 days after the announced end of the national emergency, which is the end of the outbreak period. And then once the deadlines expire, um, any regular deadline that would have then become due will then begin to tick so if you had 30 days to notify the plan of a special enrollment event and your, um in you know say the birth of a child occurred during the national emergency um, you'll have um, 30 days once your relief period ends to enroll that child
1: do you think that we could go through a couple of examples using dates to better illustrate how this might work
0: sure um we can do a couple of examples and it you know it's 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 going to be very fact specific whenever you're doing this in practice with an employee and i, I think the message is going to kind of be that for the next year or so um be very careful about denying requests for enrollment um, and really just take a, a very close look at the the facts as to why there was delay um But one example would be if you have an employee whose last date to elect COBRA was March 1st of 2020, they have until the earlier of March 1st of 2021 or the end of the outbreak period to elect COBRA. And so... As another example, if you just roll that forward one year, that if the last day that someone would ordinarily be required to elect COBRA um, is March 1st of 2021, they have until the earlier of March 1st of 2022 or the end of the outbreak period to make an election. So, uh, <laughs> Clear his mud, probably, and I know it's kind of hard to follow dates um, during a a podcast. But um, if you do have employees that are are seeking to exercise their special enrollment rights or anything to do with COBRA and they're outside of the regular timeframe, um, talk to Sarah. She'll get in touch with me if need be, and you know we'll kind of help you help you through the process before you deny someone entry to the plan.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Always better to reach out and question, run through it with me than just to, you know, decide on your own if you think you have any question about whether it could work or not. Um, But okay, Stacey, let's talk about Cobra and premium payments that would be retro. Are related to a retro enrollment. I have read that it's possible that the one-year suspension also applies to the premium payments, which was kind of new for me. At least I wasn't thinking about it like that. So if someone, for instance, was eligible to enroll in COBRA as of say May 1st of 2020, that this new information would allow them until April 30th of 2021 to enroll but payment for May 2020 alone payment for May 2020 alone would be due on or before May 31st so for all months thereafter the premium for the corresponding month in 2020 would be due on or before the last day of the same month in 2021 So I want to know what you think about that, because I read one article that really spoke about this as fact. And then I've heard a webinar recently that said, oh, this is just something they're trying to think about, provide clarification on. So how do you think the COBRA premium payments are supposed to work?
0: Well, I mean, for, for one, the relief does apply to COBRA premium payments for, for sure. Um, it, it does apply to those premium payments. Now, of course, an employee has to pay for any month they want COBRA coverage in before they actually get the coverage. They can elect COBRA, but until they've paid the premium, they don't have the coverage and the employer is not required to front the coverage or or front the premiums or pay any claims um, until the premiums are paid. Um it is a bit of a question is exactly how this works in terms of the subsequent due dates for the premiums um, I do think it it kind of works more like the the article you mentioned. Um, but at any rate, there there would be an end date, right, which is the um, the end of the outbreak period. So um, I think you should you should read this in the way that is the most protective of the employees possible, and and kind of defers to them. Um, I think you'll probably have relatively few situations when employees are paying COBRA premiums retroactively. Although, um, and I think we might talk about it. There's a um, there's A a stimulus bill that's on the horizon um, that the Senate's looking at, I believe, right now, and that may very well include a COBRA subsidy and it could be retroactive, in which case, um, you know, there may be a lot more employees going back and, and electing COBRA retroactively. So that's another kind of piece of legislation really to keep our eye on.
1: Yeah. And if that happens, certainly, I know we'll probably record another podcast specific to that topic. But I guess the information for the employee in this situation would be that if you've got uh, claims that were, you know, nine months ago that in order to get those claims paid you have to have paid your premium payment so even if it does work that you could wait 12 months to submit your premium payment like if you wanted to wait until may 31st to pay for may 2020 your claims that might have been incurred in july or august of last year aren't going to be paid until you've paid your premium so i guess you know even if it does work out like that that there's 12 months to submit it. There is still that catch about ultimately the whole purpose is to get these claims paid and that's not going to happen until the premium's paid. So, okay. Um, I did have a question about, you know, all of this stuff in light of the other guidance and information that's coming out that we're gonna talk about in another podcast related to uh, some FSA and DCAP options and all of that. Those for instance, are up to the employer to choose. So these things are available automatically, right? Employers don't have a choice about adopting these options. They're not options, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: These extensions are mandatory for plans and, and carriers to observe.
1: I just wanted to make sure that that was clear because um, in what we are going to be talking about and a lot of what you may be reading, some of these things are optional, but the ones that are coming from the DOL related to these extensions are not. So I want to talk more about what this means for employers because it seems so very complicated. In fact, one article title that I saw recently said the DOL extends COBRA and claims tolling in the worst way. And so it does sort of seem like it, like this is a little bit difficult. Um, What are an employer's obligations regarding anyone who has maybe already encountered a COBRA qualifying or a HIPAA special enrollment event in the last year of which the employer is aware? I've read something about reissuing COBRA notices since the first ones may not have been entirely accurate given this new information interpretation. Um, Is this just a suggestion? Is it mandatory? What what really needs to happen now?
0: Sure. So, I mean, I I get it that this is probably going to be administratively burdensome. Um, I kind of disagree that it you know, it's it's happening in the worst way that it's you know, it's a bad thing. I mean, this is um, in a participant friendly way, and it's meant to ensure that participants don't lose their rights to any benefits under these plans. So um, I mean, you know, I think it'll be relatively infrequent that we have to to deal with this, but it it, it is going to be somewhat administratively burdensome um, in terms of you know, what do you do for people who have already received the COBRA notice. Um, each employer really needs to look at this based on their own facts and circumstances. You know, you might be a company that had a very small number of employees leave last year or recently. um, And you know that, you know, they're going on to other jobs, other positions, they're going to have benefits offered. None of them have any intention on electing Cobra. And you might just kind of you know, make your any changes prospectively. Other employers might have laid off people relatively recently, and maybe the notice isn't uh, wasn't entirely accurate, and they feel that their employees would be best served by sending out a new notice. Um, I and, and I wouldn't discourage them from doing that, and certainly anything that had inaccurate information on it um, should be corrected. Um, And you should take any steps necessary that you feel are necessary to ensure that your participants are not going to lose out on any benefits. Um, I think we'll know relatively soon if we're going to have uh, a COBRA subsidy, and then in that case, if it's anything like the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. From 2008, will actually need to go out and notify Plan or Cobra qualified beneficiaries of the availability of the subsidy. So, um, you know, we'll we'll probably know within a week or two what's going to happen there. Um, you know, the bill is advancing, and um, you know, we'll know pretty quickly on on that on that on that, on that front.
1: That's a good point. So. Um... So some of the other questions that I had about communication and how frequently and all of that may be completely changed by the information that comes out soon. So maybe we'll hold off on any more questions on that until we see and then can explore it in another podcast. But I do have a question on um, regarding the end of the extended timeline for an individual. Should employers or COBRA administrators notify people that they're coming upon the end of it or can they just kind of let it go silently?
0: Um, Again, they they need to consider it based on their own facts and circumstances. You know, to some people, it probably is not going to be relevant. And to some, if the plan you know, knows that, you know, this is a person that is going to, um, you know, about to lose benefits under the plan. They'd be well served by electing COBRA, the deadline's expiring. Um, you know, maybe they should reach out. The plan administrator um, is, an, is a fiduciary when when interacting with employees and getting these notices out. So they need to make sure they are correct and accurate and that um, it doesn't jeopardize anyone's benefits under the plan.
1: Okay. So, any last advice or thoughts that you would want to leave with employers on this topic?
0: Sure. I mean, just uh, understand that if if employees were denied entry earlier in the year, um, that needs to be addressed. Actually, you know, Sarah and I were talking before the call, you know, does this really Happened? We are seeing a lot of these types of issues. And I saw an issue recently where a baby was denied, you know, baby was denied coverage. The employee was denied coverage for the baby because they were late enrolling the child. It was from a few months ago and, you know, I had to remind them that this is within the uh, national emergency and the employee should be able to enroll the child. So, um it's just a matter of being aware that these um, extensions are out there. And um, anytime somebody comes there a little bit late, just make sure you, uh, you really kind of consider this guidance um, before denying coverage.
1: Well, thanks so much for helping us run through this. And I, I always have a lot of questions about it. And because we've had so much um, information that is similar and yet a little bit different over the last year it can all get confusing so I guess my last comment for employers is please reach out if you have a question if you think any part of it might be wrong or right or whatever it's always better to reach out and help me you know double check um, check with stacy whatever the case may may need because we are here and we are happy to help so stacy thank you so much for all of this we really appreciate you walking through us walking us through all of it Thanks, sir. Please join us for another podcast. We love to help you with anything and everything related to benefits. Uh, I hope you have a great day.